Welcome back to His and Hers Movie Podcast. This is episode number 28, featuring a review of a land mammal, hippopotamus, uh, which is a thriller contained horror hostage thing. We'll get into it. Uh, I am one half of your hosting duo podcasting on this July 28th slash 29th because it is midnight 2020 podcasting out of southwestern Pennsylvania. Joining me tonight, as always, is my esteemed co-host who's a little cranky. I'm not going to lie. She's she's a little tired. It's way past her bedtime. Uh, Mrs. Carly. It's Miss Carly. What's the difference? Mrs. would mean I'm married. You're married to this podcast. Boom. Not really. I'm about to divorce it. (laughs) Why? Well, I'm a little annoyed because I was actually going to make poke fun at myself about being grumpy, but then you had to like undermine me and make the joke before me. And now I feel mad. Would you say you feel grumpy? Yes. But yes, I am a little bit sleepy, I will not lie, um, and uh, it's because, you know, I worked today and then I went straight and had some wings with you, which were, you know, yummy wings, but then I went home. We had wings. Like, wings, yes. The wings were good. Um, what flavor did you get? I was going to say I recommend the jam and jalap, and also I got salt and vinegar, which are okay if you want like a milder wing, but jam and jalap is a pretty good Salt and vinegar is one. a dry rub one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like those ones a lot, actually. I got hot barbecue, teriyaki, and hot garlic. Which I think the spicy garlic was my favorite out of the ones that you got. Yeah, you know, I like all three of them. I think the spicy garlic is probably my favorite of those three um yeah but my favorite favorite one is probably the mango habanero yeah see i really i think that's probably the best most flavorful one but it is very very spicy for me so i can only eat so many of them until i'm like kind of burnt out but i feel like they probably are the best tasting that they have there yeah and i I do like i love that combination of flavor I got their hottest one a couple times ago and Mm -hmm. it was like right over, like if there's a line of like too hot, it was like, and not too hot to eat. I mean like too hot to enjoy. It was like right over it. Yeah. So it was just a little bit too hot for me. Um, of course I ate all of them and I can eat all of them, but it's just like, there's a certain level of hot where it's, it's not as good. I don't know, it's kind of sucks for me because I do enjoy spicy things quite a bit now, but at the same time, I, I don't know, I have very sensitive taste buds or sensitive tongue or something because after so many hot things, it actually starts to physically hurt to keep eating them and it's not enjoyable anymore, even if I do really like the flavor and even if it isn't the hottest. That's why I keep getting like a milder kind because the first time I got wings there, I got three flavors that were all spicy and it was so good, but like, I don't know. It's almost like my tongue goes kind of numb to it and it's a problem that I have and I hope everybody feels bad for me because of it. (laughs) Well, I know that like, I've pretty much curated your food eating 
over the years. I'm not going to lie, I usually don't like to give you credit for anything, but you did change some aspects, particularly with spices and with steak. <laughs> Stack. Stack, yes. Uh, yeah, no, because when I met you, you were like, like, because we, when we first started hanging out, like, we would uh, make food sometimes and, like, watch movies and uh we would do like burgers early on and stuff like that or like sometimes even wings and i remember like wanting to do steak and like you didn't seem to like it you didn't like you were just like yeah that's cool but like you didn't seem like you like loved steak yeah like uh you know steak is steak obviously steak is good i don't really know anybody who hates steak except for like a vegetarian or something like that but yeah, I was kind of like, okay, and I, you were like, oh, it's like my number one favorite food, and I just wanted to be hip and be like, yes, steak is amazing, and, um, you know, the first time you made it, uh, I think we got, like, cheap, thick right. steaks. Yeah, they were, weren't, like, it was, like, needed pounded down and stuff, and, and they were, like, a little tough, and yeah. um, I also showed, like, I know that I, I eat mine almost rare, right? Like, it's medium rare, but... I'll go like a little bit in between rare and medium rare. Um, and sometimes just pure medium rare it just kind of depends. And I remember you weren't too crazy about that when I first, before you tasted it though, like when you were just like seeing me make it like that. Yeah. Um, I think, well, for one, I've, <laughs> I think I've said before, uh, my mom's going to like kill me one day if she ever listens to these shows. Cause I feel like I roast her quite a bit, but she was not much of a cook my whole childhood. Um, she tried, you know, she, it's not like she just made TV dinners and sandwiches every night and called it a day. She did try to make dinners, but uh, she would always, she just wasn't that good. Like she would burn stuff or cook it too long or not cook it enough. I remember one time she made, this was like later in life too, when I was probably like 17, she made some sort of casserole of sorts and she, she couldn't figure it. She was like, I don't know what's wrong. Like the noodles are like raw. And it was like, you were supposed to cook the noodles before, you know, putting it in the oven. But oh she just, God. yeah, she just threw like all the raw noodles. In. And so, and to this day, I like crunchy noodles. Like on lasagna, for some reason, she'll make lasagna and the top layer of noodles is always hard. I don't know what the problem is with that, what she does wrong with that. But it might just be I, overcooked. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but the rest of it's usually good, but I always want hard noodles on my lasagna, even though that's not right. But with steak, she would cook it to a crisp. <laughs> to where the steak was, you know how like meat obviously condenses and gets shriveled down. It's just dry and chewy. Yeah, and we always had steak sauce and you and I remember going we went to like, you know, the buffet or something that one time and you would get steak sauce with those steaks because you're like yeah, you, you shouldn't eat steak sauce with the steak unless it's just not a good steak. And I thought back to how eating steak with the steak sauce was just what I did. That is what made the steak very good. Right, because I, I remember we were eating steaks and, and you used steak sauce and I kind of criticized it. I'm like, look, I, I understand eating these steaks with steak sauce, but like you shouldn't use steak sauce on any good steak ever. Yes, which steak sauce is good, but... It is good. Yeah, any, anyway, yeah, the point is... Um, the whole rare thing too is I always have trouble. I still have this problem. I have trouble chewing meats sometimes, and I'm sure you've witnessed it before, where I just it's can't swallow it. Gag. 
Yeah, I start think I'm one of those. Uh, it's actually like a disorder. Before my doctor told me before, she's like, "Oh yeah, it's called like lockabock or something like weird, <laughs> where you start overthinking about swallowing something and then you can't swallow it and then you spit it out." So I do that a lot with meat. And yeah, because swallowing is like an involuntary like action. Like, like when you yeah. think about trying to do it, it's like thinking about trying to breathe, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I remember like. At first, you still liked yours cooked a little bit longer, but now you're like right with me. Yes, I actually find it easier to eat steak that way, and <laughs> much better to eat steak that way. And the juice, it just it cuts so nice, and like it looks so just handsome and beautiful. Like it's just you like all steak. red, and I'm like, yes. What? You like stack? I like stack. Yes. Yeah. I, I used to be a steak lover, and now I'm a stack lover. Right, but but I also recall. I was just going to say, like, with spices, I remember you and I making fajitas that one time, and we were at the store getting the ingredients, and you were ex- insisting on a jalap, and I was very upset, because I was like, that's going to ruin the whole meal, it's going to be too hot, but you were like, what about just one jalap, and I said, okay. Yeah, we'll and slice I feel... it up real thin, like, small yeah. pieces, like, almost dice it, and just throw it in with the meat and the, the vegetables and stuff, and... Like it's gonna spread around nicely to where it's not overwhelming, but it's just like a hint of heat on, on some bites. Yeah, and it made the I think it made the fajitas like what they were, like super good. So. Right. Yeah, and and I know that yeah, because you weren't you did not like hot stuff when I met you. No, I literally like was an advocate for hot stuff ruins food, and I don't understand the point of it. But now I can't stand food that isn't spicy like anytime i try to cook or experiment with anything at home i think i wonder if a jalapeno would be incorporated <laughs> into this or hot sauce or right something yeah. like that i don't know what it is about like a little bit of spice to food but it, it definitely adds the um it adds the flavor for me like spice is its own flavor you know and and i think that it like I, for a while there i i ate hot i when i was growing up i put hot sauce on like every single thing i ate um, but I, I actually went away from that like heavily. Like I only use it for like stuff that like Buffalo chicken or like Buffalo shrimp or something like that. Now, um, don't really use a whole lot of hot sauce. Like I used to use a lot of Sriracha too. Like we dude, my family used Sriracha way before it was like popular here. Like nobody ate Sriracha when we used to make it. Yeah. I don't really use Sriracha. But it's a unique taste and I've kind of calmed down on it a little bit. I used to love mm. it, but I don't really eat it with much anymore. Yeah. I mean, and then hot sauce, the thing with that is it does give me like heartburn and kind of make me feel like crap sometimes. So I'm not as big on it as like jalapenos, that type of spice, but it is. And also steak, like actually makes me feel like crap the next day too, but I don't care. I will continue <laughs> to eat steak. It's like a red meat problem. But that, And that's also because we eat like, a, like a huge steak <laughs> yeah we each get one and yeah and like we finish we usually the go big yeah um but yeah so that's a master chef with jp and carly uh so yeah what's going on man i mean we had wings uh we did go to the drive-in on saturday we mm-hmm. went out to vandergrift which is like an hour and 20 minutes away it's so funny because we were talking about how that drive-in used to feel like such an adventure Mm -hmm. 
and like far away like we were going far away and it's like really like it it the drive back had like to me it flies by whenever now versus like remember when we did the all-nighter and it just felt like we were like like the drive was so long like the first time we did it (laughs) yeah i yeah it's so weird like the drive there for me this time around was super super quick it just felt like going anywhere and uh it's fun. Yeah, it's funny. I remember we were both miserable driving home that on one of those all-nighters. And then, you know, like last August, we went to that drive-in that was like five hours away. And then we drove home that night. And we were That's fine. That's rough. Like, we, <laughs> well, we weren't fine. I remember my eyeballs were like actually burning out of my head because they were so dried out from just watching the road for that long but yeah it's crazy like once you start going to other places you feel like everything else is a breeze and you could do anything yeah when we drove back from gettysburg i drove the whole way back i don't recall that yeah i drove i drove the whole entire time back all right i will take your word for it (laughs) there is one where i drove the whole i think it one of them, I drove pretty much the entire way back, and you kept pretending to fall asleep, and my eyeballs were, I thought I was going to go blind. That was uh, the the Mahoning driving. All right, all right, yeah. That was, yeah, that I took was over, like, the last hour and a half or something. That was horrible, because it was, like, it was so easy, but it was almost too easy, because you once you got on the turnpike, it was like, okay, in 166 miles, you'll be home. Right, and it was yeah. just a straight shot. And it, it was just horrendous to like, and there was no other cars on the road. So you're just driving straight. There's no cool scenery or anything. It's just pure trying not to fall asleep at the wheel. But yeah, Vandergrift. I like Vandergrift. I'm a big fan of that driving. It was weird going there when it's not a big event. That was the first time we just went there as a regular old drive-in night and not like the Monsterama thing and it's weird seeing it not as packed as it is during that event and not having like you know the people set up with all the DVDs and the shirts and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. it was nice yeah I spotted um Fred Vogel from Toe Tag I see him all the time there but I never say anything to him Mm -hmm. um one day I should take my August undergrounds and just be like, Hey, I was wondering if you were going to be here. Cause I see you all the time. Will you sign these? You should. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a, I like that drive in. It's, it almost feels like home. You know what I mean? It's like comfy mm-hmm. there. The screen is not the greatest. Like I think Browns, I actually think Brownsville screen is the, the, the middle screen in Brownsville is the mm-hmm. best screen drive-in screen that I've been to. Yeah, it's definitely probably the biggest one. I don't know. I feel like Mahoning had a pretty big, decent screen, but... Yeah, which screen is that? Screen 2? Yeah, yeah, the middle one is... Yeah, Wait, see, they're showing Friday the 13th sure. on screen 3 uh, this okay. weekend. They're showing Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, um, which I, hopefully, if nothing goes wrong, we should be going to that. I'm mm-hmm. um, pretty excited because uh, I, I like I'm I I have an issue with the, like they've done that double feature there like three times I think. Yeah, I've seen it there before. <laughs> I wish they would do like Friday three and you know Nightmare three or something like that, like just something different, you know. But it's like so mainstream there, like they don't really do anything crazy. Um, 
but I'm still happy to see it. Like, honestly, I love Nightmare on Elm Street, and I've actually never seen it at a drive-in. Um, or Friday the 13th, actually. Yeah, like I said, I saw it, what was, that was probably like two Octobers ago, I got to go, and to that drive-in, same thing, Nightmare on Elm Street. They play Nightmare on Elm Street first, and then Friday the 13th, which is cool and all, and I don't mind seeing them again, because they're fun movies to watch, but I agree, I wish they would kind of venture out and play other stuff there. I mean, it is cool they played, you know, The Lost Boys isn't too unique, but The Evil Dead was kind of a Right, cool one but that, that one did. was a little bit different, The Evil Dead, because it's actually, um, Grindhouse releasing has been, like, like, it's actually a thing going on across, like, America right now, where they're, like, getting it in drive-ins, so it's, like, more like they reach Ew. out to these drive-ins and, and see if they'll play it type thing. But I yeah, I mean, I, I think that's awesome. That like, yeah, Evil Dead was definitely a highlight for. And, and I mean, the Lost Boys seemed even a little bit more um, impressive for Brownsville, just because like all their retro stuff has been like Jaws and like uh, mm. E.T. and like big Spielberg blockbusters, Jurassic Park and stuff like that, Back to the Future, and then like for some reason, like popular comedies of like the mid two thousands. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's weird. But uh, so yeah, we'll be doing that next weekend. Um, this weekend coming up, so that'll be cool. I'm. I, I one thing that I will say is uh, people often comment when we say we're doing this that like they're bummed that their area doesn't do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I do feel pretty fortunate for the amount of cool stuff that we've been able to do in relatively close areas to us, but. At the same time, like, the one thing that always bums me out is, like, the Hollywood Theater. Because that was, to me, the Hollywood Theater was probably my favorite thing that we did. Yeah, mine too. I I think about it from time to time and think, like, you know, we never really have a reason to drive out that way again. And just the street it was on was cool. And, like, the gyro place next door and the look of the theater. It just had that old-fashioned look on the outside. You felt like you were just stepping back in time just walking into it and yeah it does make me sad i mean there's other theaters like that but they're more deep into pittsburgh and even that then they're not as they they just don't seem as interesting or authentic as that theater was and that depresses me quite a bit right yeah and um i think that you know dave z said something the other day um, cause he's not really into going out to the, but I, I don't think he really likes going to the theater in general. Yeah. Um, but like for retro stuff, he really doesn't. And I think like one of the things he said about like going to the theater, cause we have a little debate about like, you know, having movies go direct to VOD versus like in a the theater. And like, I get some of the stuff he's saying, especially the stuff with, like, okay, he has a family, so if he goes to the theater, he has to buy a ticket for his wife and him and his daughter. That's, like, 30 bucks right there. And then if you have a kid, like, you can't deny them concessions, right? So they're going to want some, yeah. and then his wife's probably going to grab something. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's it's 60 bucks to go to, the th- to see a movie that you might not even like. So I totally get that. Like if I had to do that, I probably wouldn't go either, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the thought of them going away just saddens me so much because it's truly one of our favorite things to do. 
Yeah. Like going uh, to the theater to see a new movie or an old movie is one of our, fi- it's literally like top three favorite things for us to do. It might yeah, be number one. Pretty much. I mean, that's the number one thing we go and do together as friends, like as a hobby. So yeah, I would be very sad. It, my friend um actually texted me a little bit ago that, um, you know, the luxury theater in Century 3 area that yeah. we, we don't really go to anymore because it's not AMC and we don't have that thing. But apparently they are letting people rent out a theater room for, it says, let me see, it says up to 20 people for $50. You can rent the entire theater and, uh, you know, whatever movie they happen to have, which she said that they are playing... Star Wars The Force Awakens and they're just letting you like rent out the whole theater for like your family or friends or whatever for like $50 now so if you could was... pick the movie that would be great yeah but I think it's I forget I don't know I didn't really read into it too much she just sent me like a screenshot but uh, uh... <laughs> oh wait oh, wait oh well it says you can pick any movie they have playing so we, so, I mean, it, depend it depends on what, what they, they would have playing, but yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So, um, with that said, uh, did you do anything else, uh, special this week or anything? Um, I don't, did I do anything this week? I don't recall. I need to start writing down things that I do. I did not really. I'm supposed to, I'm going, well, tomorrow I'm going on a mini vacation with my mother down to a beach in Maryland. So that should be fun. Just a four day vacation. And it's also, you know, I also took like two days off of work next week as well. And plus the weekend. So it's like just a nice little getaway from work that I'm looking forward to. But so hopefully that'll be nice. Other than that, um, haven't really, haven't really done too much recently. Right. Um, I, the main thing that I did this past week was I recorded the 2008, um, episode of the Teapots summer series podcast under the stairs summer series, uh, with Duncan, um, Bo Ransdale and Mark Ball. And, uh, we had 10 films from 2008 to discuss. We reviewed them. And then we debated on the top two. It wasn't that heated of a debate, but it, it definitely um, had some conversations going. There was a lot of heavy films mm-hmm. uh, from 2008 that uh, deserved um, to be, you know, the top two. Like uh, there was at least four films that I was debating heavily on which four I thought deserved it the most. Um, but yeah, that, I think it was, you know, um, four or so hours, five hours, four, 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 some change, maybe hours. So, uh, look forward to that, that I, I think Duncan's going to start debuting the episodes next month. So definitely check them out. I'm on 2003 and 2008 and you are on 2002 as well as 2005. Four. Four. You tried. <laughs> it was close. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for him to start actually posting those because I want to, you know, listen to everybody else's ep. They were fun to record. Um, I'm kind of like, I mean, my years seem difficult, but when you were telling me the movies on 2008, like that stressed me out. There's just so many movies 
so many good movies I feel in the later 2000s that I would struggle to pick through. So, right. so I feel like mine um, were a little easier. Uh, really quickly, though, I did want to kind of talk about this a little bit. I know that you're probably going to kill me because you're tired, but... Um, so, you know, last week would have made the halfway point of the year. Now, obviously, with COVID happening and everything, it's been less than stellar in terms of releases. I mean, so many films have gotten pushed out of the 2020 release. Like, I remember whenever we were talking at the end of the year show on 22 Shots, we talked about the, all the films that were coming out and, you know, A Quiet Place too. which is funny because I remember right before the covid thing happened that was our next movie yes a quiet place too yes and that film um you know we we think think about it we only got like two months of movies Mm -hmm. um theatrically and then everything started getting really pushed back so you had like um a quiet place too you had the new mutants that was supposed to come out Candyman was supposed to come out and i think it was like july it was this month i think um antebellum uh antlers they saw eight uh what's it called what's it called spiral Spiral, the book of saw or something um i think there was a new paranormal activity that might have been coming out a new conjuring uh, there was, you know, tons of films on the schedule and a couple of them made it through like the hunt. Uh, but for the most part, like everything got, uh, Halloween kills, which is one of the bigger ones. And mm-hmm. honestly, like, I know that you weren't a big fan of Halloween 18. Nope. I wasn't a big fan of Halloween 18. Uh, a couple of our other friends moods wasn't a fit, big fan. I think even people that liked it like me at first, came down on it like i think dave z even like came down on it a little bit um but i'll be honest i watched that little teaser for you know halloween kills which i should i didn't even want to but jeremy kind of spoiled the whole thing for me so i just watched it and i was like yo that actually got me hype and then when and then i'm trying to avoid this stuff but it keeps coming out like the people were talking about how um, David Gordon Green um, was saying how it's about the town's reaction to Michael Myers. It's more about like Haddonfield versus Michael Myers. So I think of like the end of part four, but like the mm-hmm. whole movie, you know, and that sounded interesting because I'm like, oh, finally something different with Halloween. You know, it's not just, you know, st- stocking babysitters or stocking kids at a sorority or stocking kids that are uh, making a reality TV show. You know, it's actually something a little bit different. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I actually am like more optimistic about Halloween than than I expected. Halloween kills that is. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wasn't huge. I was pretty disappointed with the new Halloween 2018, to be honest. But I mean, it's a new Halloween film. I'm going to be excited anyway, no matter what. It doesn't matter if the last one sucked or what, I mean, it's another movie in a popular franchise, so I'm always kind of hype. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, like, hype-hype on it, but I'm still very interested in it, and I am sad that it got pushed back, because I do... I am looking forward to seeing it. 
Yeah. And and then 2021 is probably going to be like the most stacked year ever because pretty much everything that was supposed to come out in 2020 is now coming out in 2021. And if they even have a, if they even get some productions going and add to that, it's going to be even crazier. But uh, yeah, man, I, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because like we have seen some okay movies and I, I have some that I really like, but this year as a whole has just been super down for me like my ratings are like so much lower than normal and even my like the films that are currently hovering in my top 10 right now are extremely extremely like less than what I normally would have yeah I'm finding that like I'm not as low on the movies when I watch them I like them and then like a few weeks or months or days or whatever pass and I start kind of thinking about them and thinking about flaws or stuff in them that made them a little bit mediocre and it's kind of bringing them down for me like I feel like every half the movies on my list could go down half a point it's just weird I feel like I'm being too high on stuff just because there's nothing there's just nothing really but uh, you know, like I said, I don't hate them while I'm watching them. I actually am getting some enjoyment out of these movies, but then I kind of think about them and think they just don't feel... There's no wow factor, really, to them. They're just kind of, like, basic films, and that's it. Right. There's really nothing stand out of this year. Right, and I, I keep, like, looking for, like, new stuff. And, and that's another thing, that it's becoming hard to actually find films to do on the show that aren't like just pieces of crap you know what I mean where you're looking at you're watching to see what's coming out and it's like blood vampires wars and you're like ah, you know yeah uh, so it's it's been rough trying to find stuff for this show halfway point of the year I really hope there's some better stuff coming out uh, I think my watches for 2020 are up to about 34 six or so yeah i actually looked earlier i was on letterbox and it's kind of funny i think i have 38 watches for 2020 and then i have like 39 watches for 91 so they're like neck and neck because i have a list on two lists on letterbox Mm -hmm. and like you know typically the end of the year is much stronger anyway like between you know september october november that's where you get your best horror usually Mm -hmm. so i'm still optimistic slightly that the year can improve uh but as of right now if i really was going to consider now i've been keeping i've been doing top lists since 2012 before 22 shots i did it i did a top 10 2012 movies uh, now, granted, I didn't watch anything like I did. I, I probably only watched 10 back then. But since then, I've seen more that did come out back then. Uh, and since I've been doing top 10 lists, this is the worst year. Six months in, this is the worst year that I've done this since since uh, 2012. The only year that I know that was worse in the last decade was 2011. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't do, I didn't keep track back then, but just looking at the year and, and what all I like from it when we were, you know, looking at stuff that came out, it, uh, that year is probably worse. Um, but probably not by much. It's pretty, probably pretty close right now, but still, we still got six months. So there's still hope. 
Yeah, I agree. I remember looking at all the years from the last decade in 2011. Just looked like total trash. But yeah, so, I, I don't know. So really quickly, I do want to just recap like the stuff that we actually did watch. So I remember it was like at the beginning of the year it was pretty fun because there was a new horror movie coming out like the first four weeks of the year. That was pretty exciting for us. So in hindsight, some of these films I actually feel a little bit differently about. So the very first one we watched was The Grudge. Mm-hmm. And that movie sucked then and I still think it sucks now. Yes, it was awful. It was torture. Yeah, it was just so boring. I just remember wanting to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched Underwater. Now, Underwater, at the time, I thought was pretty mediocre. wasn't bad. Um, now, I think, I, in hindsight, I think I like it a little bit more. And the, the one thing that stands out to me is the end. With, like, the, the whole, like, almost, like, Lovecraftian thing. That was actually pretty cool. And I don't think I gave it as much credit when it came out. I don't know. I think it it's not a bad movie for sure, especially compared to some of the other movies this year, but to me it's still just there's to me there wasn't really anything special about it that makes it memorable. Mm-hmm. So. And then uh after that we saw The Turning, um which to me, I don't know, man, that's still one of the worst that I've seen. Uh I feel kind of embarrassed. I feel like I was a little high on that one. But um <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I was into it up until the ending, and then I was like, "What the, what the H?" So that is my thought. Yeah. Then this is the one, Gretel and Hansel. Um, I actually think that in hindsight, I would like this movie a lot more uh, because when I think back of the stuff that I saw after I think of like the best ones, that's like the next one I think of. That's like, oh, that was like, I think back to the atmosphere and like the looks of it and stuff. And I'm like, that was really cool. Um, so I think maybe I, that's a film that I would give a rewatch at the end of the year, like last minute rewatch to see if I can appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I agree. I want to rewatch that one as well. Cause I was pretty disappointed with it, but I mean, cinematography wise, I did think it was pretty fantastic. So I probably will go back to that one. I think I gave it like a 7.5 when we rated it. Yeah, I think I gave it like a 6 or 7.5, 6 and a half or a 7. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I would be a lot higher on it now, especially in comparison to like what else we got. Um, after Midnight, I still think that one was a really weak effort. Uh, it was kind of a cool concept, but I just think that it was too too slow and boring, personally. I recommend that one for a nice long nap. <laughs> Which was disappointing because I was really looking forward to uh, Jeremy Gardner's work because I, I liked his last two films so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we did Fantasy Island. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. It was fun. It, it was f- That's a definition of a popcorn movie. Fun to mm-hmm. go to the theater and check out. But nothing that you're going to take away from it or remember. Yeah. The island setting was probably the coolest part for me. They had some decent sets. Yes. And then uh, we I remember, we, I think we did a double feature of The Lodge and The Boy in the same day. We did, yes. So The Lodge, definitely a standout film of the year for me. Uh, I don't remember a ton about it other than I liked it. And I remember like certain 
think like, I remember the plot and stuff like that, but I don't remember like the big chunk of the middle of like what all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was pretty high on that one, so I think that that one's probably a higher up film for me. Yeah, for me, I don't know about. I almost feel like that one was one of those ones that I went into thinking, like, expecting it's going to be amazing, and then I left thinking, like, yeah, that was really good, especially compared to all the other movies we had seen. But I almost feel like I wouldn't be as high on it now. That's another one I kind of want to rewatch. I'm just not too sure. Yeah, at this point in this year, normally I there's so much to see that I don't even consider doing rewatches at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Not the case this year. Like I, as of right now, I fit like if the year ended right now, I would have tons of time to rewatch because <laughs> yeah. I've pretty much watched everything that's of note, minus like two or three films. It's that the you know since the the year, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, we've done a really good job keeping up. One because the uh, you know amount has been less, but also just because you know everything that's there's not that much good stuff coming out so we're seeing all the good ones um brahms the boy too i didn't really care for it at all i thought it was pretty bad yeah trash especially compared to the first one which is actually a pretty good movie it is i don't really remember it but i remember that i i liked it Mm -hmm. um then we have the invisible man definitely a standout for me i thought that it was you know um it's still definitely one of my favorite films of the year uh i just love the whole domestic violence tie-in that it it handled yeah i i thought it was amazing cool uh and then um i have this one on my list i'm not sure if you saw it color out of space no i forgot about that one i know i didn't get to watch that one yet it was uh, it was all right. It was good. It wasn't. I I, I didn't love it like a lot of people did, but I, I thought it was good. Uh, then we did VFW. Definitely a standout for me. I uh, really mm-hmm. liked VFW. Probably in terms of like the indie stuff, like direct to video. Probably one of the best. I agree. Very very good. Yeah, that's one that I could rewatch easy and not have an issue with. Same here. I did pick up the 4K. So, like, mm-hmm. I most likely will rewatch that before the end of the year. Uh, this one for me, I know, I don't think we covered it on the show, or we did a Netflix and chill episode on it, actually. Uh, the platform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one was uh, good, too. I loved it. It's one, yeah. it's one of my favorite films of the year for sure. Um, it w- I would be surprised if it didn't make my top 10 at this point. You know, now, I don't really want to spoil everything, but, you know, it, that, that one I really enjoyed super Mm -hmm. cool movie uh then we did the hunt um that was fun but honestly like thinking back i think i like it less than when i reviewed it yeah i mean i feel i gave it a favorable review and i don't think i would change that but i don't you know i don't think it would be in my top 10 it was just like a fun movie and that's about it for me right uh the room we did that on netflix and chill thought it was pretty Mm. garbage yeah it was uh then we did you know what i'm missing a film on here i don't have it on my list i'll have to add that but i'm not sure when we did it but it was mom oh that was like yeah it was probably around that time yeah it had to have been it was like one of our earlier eps i forget which one though yeah mothers of monsters you Mm like that i didn't really care for it 
I was pretty into it up and I didn't really care for the final act, but I didn't think it was bad. I've seen other people give it favorable reviews as well. Um, she's allergic to cats. Completely forgettable. I don't really remember anything about it. I know you liked it, but I didn't. Well, I told you the other day that I was, that's another one where I feel I was giving it too much credit. You were fake. <laughs> yes. I, she's allergic to trash. <laughs> Uh, then we had a little streak of bad stuff here. The Hunter's Moon. Well, it was Dump Month, buddy. I forgot to keep that. I was going to keep that joke going for the majority of the in- for the entirety of this podcast, but I completely <laughs> forgot it. It's Dump Year, buddy. Yeah, it's Dump Dump Year. What Hunter's Moon. What? Oh yeah, Hunter's Moon. That one. <laughs> yeah, Hunter's Trash. I like. I liked it at first, but it, it kind of overstayed its welcome. Uh, then we had a couple of alright ones. Porno. Yeah, that's an, it's weird. I'm like forgetting some of these, but yeah, Porno was pretty good. I think the title's pretty stupid, but it's a good film. Yeah, it was it was fun. I, I don't I didn't love it, but it was fun. Uh, then We Summon the Darkness. You liked this one a lot. I liked it a good bit, but you liked it a lot. I did. Yeah. I like the aesthetic of it. Yeah, it was it was I liked it. It was it actually is a standout one for me. Mm. Uh, especially when you're talking about the like indie direct-to-video ones. Mm. Um, and then we had witches or actually no I reviewed that with watch then did you watch it witches in the woods no not really worth your time it's kind of a contained little horror film where these people get stuck out in the wilderness in their car in the snow and stuff like that and there may or may not be like some witchy stuff going on Um, we both liked certain aspects of it but overall it kind of fell flat Uh, then we had one that I actually really did like it's a standout one and that's vivarium yeah, I really like that one quite a bit. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, and then The Wretched, which you liked a lot. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I liked it a lot. That's that's one of those ones kind of that falls in the realm of... I kind of thought about it later and probably don't like it as... Probably wouldn't like it as much on rewatch, but... Yeah, that, that happens to me a lot too, where like if I watch a movie and then we record... Mm-hmm. like the next day um honestly probably about 50 percent of the times my feelings change over the next week um yeah. not drastically like not like i gave it an eight and i'm gonna give it a five now but like it might go from an eight to a 7.5 or an eight to an 8.5 depending mm-hmm. on like because it takes a while to digest films sometimes you know you think about them for a little bit uh another one this one i didn't i wasn't crazy about at the time and I'm still not, but I think in hindsight, I like it a little bit more in my memory. And that's one BR. Yeah. Um, I like this one. I thought it was a cool concept. Uh, and then a couple of films, <laughs> Don't Run and Witness Infection. Those were part of that festival thing that I tried to do that kind of failed. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of them were very good. <clears throat> yeah, I, d- I, I did watch Don't Run. I don't really remember it it at all right uh exorcism at sixty thousand feet trash <laughs> trash yeah it wasn't it was it, it i there was some stuff i liked about it but it was just too much for me um becky which i think is the most overrated film of the year i know i'm still i still see people post in the freaking poster for that i'm getting sick of seeing it yeah uh then scream queen which was the we did that on netflix and chill i really like that movie it's a doc i don't usually include docs in my top 10 list but it definitely a standout film of the year 
Yeah, I always count them as a watch, but I never really put them on the final list if mm-hmm. they're up there. But I, it's really good. I recommend it. Then probably my favorite um, surprise, Swallow. Yeah, I like that one because I could really relate to Swallow. Yeah, you're Swallow. Yes. You Swallow. No, I relate to Swallow. <laughs> Yeah, I really liked Swallow Man. That that was a it's I don't I don't know if I consider it horror though, so that that'll be one that I debate with myself at the end. Swallow was misunderstood. Uh Outback. Um Out Trash really. Yeah, that one really freaking that one sucked. I didn't mind it. I thought it was alright. It's just not great. Um, I was falling asleep watching it. Now, um the opposite of Swallow, which is Follow, followed garbage, man. It was that's the worst film of the year, I think. Yeah, that was that's up there with the grudge to where I I mean this one we're at the drive in, but I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to drive away and it just the movie would not end. Yeah, and then uh I think the last one that I have here is Ghosts of War. Yeah, which you probably you like that one. Well no, you rated that one lower than me, <laughs> but I think you liked it more than me. Yeah. I did. So, so who's the fake one? I don't know. I just, I, I'm not fake. I'm just generous. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, I mean, that's a little recap of the mid-year point. Um, we've covered a lot of stuff and, and I'm happy that we're doing the show because it, it's like, I consistently am watching movies the whole year. And right now I feel really happy with what I've seen so far. Yes. You forgot to mention Aqua Trash. Oh, that was last week. I couldn't remember that. Yeah, Aqua Trash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I didn't really keep track, but um, I would say over fifty percent of like mediocre to just good movies to bad movies, and like way under fifty percent for uh, like very good to great movies. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I know Scott Crawford uh, is pretty high on the year, and, and God bless him, man, because I, I just – he's watched a lot more than me, but I can't imagine – because he's watched like 100 or something. I can't imagine that, that there's that many good movies that I'm missing, but if there is, I'll probably get to some of the good ones towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a little recap. I know you watched Relic as well, um, which oh, yeah. you like that one, so – um, there's one called The Rental that I kind of want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's um, the uh, David Franco film. Yeah, that one looks cool. Is that on streaming? No, I think it was... No. Um, it played at the drive-in like last week. Oh, okay. Or the week before. Um, but yeah, I think it's coming to streaming soon. And then uh, <laughs> Train to Busan 2 is on its way. So I'm kind of excited about that one because the first one was so good. Um, even though I think it was a little overrated, like most people had it as like their number one or two film. Um, me, it was like 10, but still, you know, very good. I I just thought that it was like, you know, people blew it so hard. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a little recap mid-year point. Great. Fantastic. Aren't we doing a shark week coming up? Oh yes. When shall we do that? August. When's Shark Week? Uh, it's in August. Let me see. It is August 6th. Uh, oh, August 9th oh. to the 16th. So either next episode 
Probably not next episode. Yeah, I could probably swing the episode after that. We'll probably do it the episode after that. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's midweek already. Crazy. Um, so yeah, well, I don't know what we're going to do with that. We could do, like, we could just watch a couple of the Jaws films, like, or we could watch some, like, other shark stuff. I don't know what we'll do. Yeah, I I, I don't kinda... know if we'll do a featured review on that one or not. Well, I mean, if we do, like, the Jaws movies, I would say we just talk about the Jaws movies and that's it. Right. But I kind of want to do the Jaws movies since... I'm really only familiar with part one and kind of part three, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I picked them all up on Blu-ray, so... Yes. <clears throat> Actually, not Jaws 1. I have that on 4K. Oh, of course. Right. But I think it... I don't know. It may have a f- Blu-ray in it. I'll have to look. Uh, so, anyway, uh, let's move on. What do we got? Are we getting into what we have watched? what we have watched and it's we're already an hour in i know you want to kill me i do yes <laughs> you did want you pulled you fakertoned me basically i fakertoned you yes you added i did not know that you were going to i told uh, you last week i wanted to do that yes but i thought that we were just going to skip it <laughs> since we changed up the show theme last minute but we did not all right but, so uh what we watched here um do you have a lot uh, not, not a ton, no. Alright, um, what is the last movie that I talked about? Blade, right? Dazed and Confused. Really? Yeah, you will. Well, technically the last movie you talked about alone was Raging Cajun Wrecking Redneck Gators, aka Alligator Alley. But didn't we talk about Detroit Rock City? Yeah, I'm saying the last one that you alone talked about, so then it was Detroit Rock City, The Lost Boys, Evil Dead, and then Dazed and Confused. So I didn't talk about Pontypool or Blade? Nope. Okay, so I'll go from there then. Yes. Alright, you go ahead. Oh, I'm going? Yep. Alright. Alright, so, um, as per my run through 91, I watched Subspecies. I started it, and I never got to finish it. Yes, um, and as you guys know, I don't really like space movies, but I thought I would give this a shot. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, obviously. Can this I ask is not- you something? Why did you think that that was a space movie before you saw it? Is there a movie called Species? Yes. What is it about? It's about a woman who is an alien and she wants to have space. sex with men, <laughs> but it's it's not set in space. It's set in in California. Okay, she well, wants to impregnate herself with men to like birth her species, her you know, her species. <laughs> no, and uh, I mean it does start in space though. Okay, like, yeah, the there you go. Minutes. Shut up, dude. So, no, so I've never seen that film, but in my head, any type of alien space sci-fi film does not appeal to me. So this movie. To me, that was the same title, but with the word sub in front of it. And I thought it was going to be the same type of thing. But it's not. Uh, this is obviously a vampire movie and... Um, Vanu. Yes. I thought I thought it was decent. I thought it was... I, I like the sets. I like the main uh, girls that you're following and just kind of watching them, you know, 
walk around, investigate their surroundings at like this uh, castle and you know, I believe Transylvania and um, you know, there are scenes like in a cemetery and whatnot and they're kind of walking and then there's like a part where they fall asleep and they're like, oh no, we've fallen asleep. And then you have the vampire who's got the creepy like, yes, Nosferatu type fingers. Which is creepy. They could have made his face a little scarier. I thought it was pretty cheap looking, but... Oh, I like his face. See, I just feel... I don't know. His fingers are scary. I like those, but... Uh, I feel I like thought, his fingers look a little cheap. I feel like you're cheap. I am. Yes. Uh, so, um... I thought it was good. I think that you probably like it a little bit more than me, but... Uh, that is that. I mean, I gave it like a six out of 10. Well, I think back, like, I I think it was around 2010 where I started getting into collecting and -hmm. there was a YouTuber that I followed. I don't remember who it was, but he, uh, like was really into full moon. He kept talking about full moon and showing like full moon stuff that he picked up. And I was like, what is full moon? And it was like, Oh, it's like the puppet master films and stuff. And then I, I started seeing other films that I'd seen when I was a kid from full moon i was like oh i like a lot of these movies so um i remember uh full moon always does i think they still do it a 50 percent off valentine's day sale Mm -hmm. and i spent like my grandma gave me like 150 bucks for my birthday or something and i spent like 150 bucks on movies uh from full moon and i just got this big like I got the Puppet Master DVD box set, which at the time, uh, that box set was limited and uh, it was limited because from what I understand, Charles Band at one point did not own the rights to all the full, all the Puppet Master films. So he put out the box set and then he got like a cease and desist thing and he agreed to not print anymore but he would just sell the ones that he had or something this is all speculation there's a lot always speculation with charles band but so they the box set was very limited and it was a hundred dollar box set and on the full moon uh valentine's day sale it was fifty dollars so i bought that i bought like a bunch of full moon dvds like castle freak and um hideous and uh um head of the family and then i also got the subspecies box set which had subspecies one two three and four i got the evil bong box set the witch house box set like i went to town and just got a bunch of full moon titles and um yeah, so I I actually got because the newest Puppet Master just came out at the time, Axis of Evil, and I ordered the trunk too, uh, which came signed by Charles Band and was limited to like twelve hundred. So I had in the original Full Moon box set, uh, Puppet Master box set had Puppet Master one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, Puppet Master Retro Puppet Master, and I think that I think that's it. I think it had seven of them. And then the newest one was the ninth one. So I was missing the eighth one. And I remember it was so cool. They threw the eighth one in without me ordering it. So there, somebody in the warehouse was like, man, this guy ordered Puppet Master 1 through 7, a bunch of other stuff, and then a trunk with Puppet Master 9. And he didn't, the poor bastard didn't get Puppet Master 8. And they just was like, I got to hook this guy up. And, and threw, that's what I like to think happened. 
Um, because why would they pick randomly to give me an extra DVD and it was Puppet Master 8? Like somebody, I like, you know what? I like to think that Charles Band himself walked in when they were packaging and they were like, whoa, whoa, why is there Puppet Master 1 through 7 there? Puppet Master 8 or 9 over there, but no Puppet Master 8. And he's like, this, this is uncalled for. This is the travesty. And he went over and grabbed the Puppet Master 8 off the shelf and, and stuffed it in, in the package for me. Yeah, maybe. Where was I going with this? I don't know. Are you going to have a oh, story? Oh, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> what did you tell me not to do before the show? Um, oh, go on long tangents. Yeah. As you can yeah. see, I've been doing a good job. I was going to ask, if are you going to have, like, some giant story after every movie I talk about? Yes. On, on my list. <laughs> so, anyway, I remember. It's so nostalgic for me. Like, 2010, I got this big box, of, and it took forever. It took, like, a month to get it. And I had my grandma call, like, a few times, and, and they were so nice on the phone. They were like, oh, yeah, it's just we're really backed up and stuff, and it was really cool. Um, and I got this big box, and I was just like, yo, you know, like, I don't think I was working at the time probably why she did stuff for me but um i just got like all the all these movies and i'm like dude i was like i'm gonna watch i'm just gonna watch these i went through the whole puppet master box set the first three evil bongs uh head of the fan like i just i just went full moon crazy and um the subspecies films i watched one through four and i also had vampire journals and uh which is like the spinoff and i watched all of them man and i was just like i i i had such a fun time watching those four movies and they but they all blend together so when i say that i really like subspecies and talk crap on you for not rating it high enough i don't even know if i like that one that much i just know i like the the whole of subspecies but i remember i think like two and three were better yeah probably probably so anyway, guys, um, <laughs> next up for, I'm just going to try to run through these really quick and not stop talking while I do it. Um, so next up, as per my run through 91, um, I watched Cape Fear. Now Cape Fear uh, is a movie that I had seen multiple times growing up, um, always on TV and stuff, and I know my mom liked it, so I would uh, always catch it here and there. And... Um, Watching it this time around, which I just watched it a few years back as well, so it wasn't super long ago, but uh, I feel that I liked it the most um, this time around watching it. Uh, It's just a great film. I think Robert De Niro is fantastic in the movie, as he is in pretty much every film he's in. Um, The the story is just very enthralling. Have you ever seen Frankenstein? Uh, Not really. Um, The De Niro one? I own it, and I put it on one night, and I could tell you I didn't pay a lick of attention to it. He plays Frankenstein, and I don't know, like, I'm not crazy about his Frankenstein performance. Dude, I don't think you're crazy about Robert De Niro. Dude, I love Robert De Niro. Have you ever seen Men of Honor? No. That's a really good movie. Have you ever seen um, This Boy's Life? No. That's a really good Robert De Niro movie. Have you ever seen A Bronx Tale? Yes. Well, let me tell you about the I, first time I saw a Bronx ooh, Tale. <laughs> I do, I do like him in a Bronx Tale because I like how he's playing not the bad guy in that movie. Ooh, have se. you ever seen Casino? 
Um, no, that's actually one that I've always wanted to see, and I, for whatever yeah, reason, I've never watched. Spot. Yeah. Um, but no, I do like Robert De Niro. I've seen none of the movies you just mentioned, but I have seen his films and I think he is just a very, uh, has a lot of good dynamic to him. Um, and I think that he in this role, you know, this movie is debated on whether it's really horror or not. And uh, I think his performance alone can qualify as horror, especially in the final act. Um, there's actually a part that's a few parts that are rather terrifying with him. And, um, as I was saying, the movie is very kind of enthralling. I mean, it's over two hours long, and you would, I always would think like, oh, this is probably going to get boring. I mean, it's just about a guy pretty much invading these people's lives, the whole film. But uh, you're just super, I, I was super invested the entire time, more so than ever this time around. And I really, really like Cape Fear. So that's just my thoughts on that. And then um, after that, I checked out Absentia from 2011. Um, because I just, uh, you know, I picked it up the other day and it's on my long, giant, giant stack of stuff to watch. So I uh, just started watching some things that I had on my to watch stack and this was one of them. Um, this is a movie I'd heard good things about pretty much for a long time and heard that it's pretty underrated and like a really solid film, um, which it is a good movie. Uh, it's pretty cool it has its moments and um you know it's definitely a low budget film but for a low budget movie i think it's done rather well uh i did think i feel like it's a little bit i don't know i didn't think it was anything overly special honestly um that's flanagan yes yeah his first film i believe yes but uh yeah, I didn't think it was overly special, but I can see what people mean. You know, it, it, it is low budget. I think it's got good acting. I think it has a decent story and um, it, it is an interesting film for sure. But for me, it was just kind of like, okay, that's it. Uh, I don't know. It's not really one that I would be like, hell yeah, I'm going to go back and watch that again. But it was a good movie for what it was. Then after that, I watched a movie called The Cook from 2008. I picked this one up like months ago. I think at Cash and Culture, uh, just because it looked kind of interesting. This is another uh, obviously low budget film, and it's uh, about basically the sorority house and uh, a group of girls stay at the sorority for a weekend during the summer. And uh, simultaneously, this new cook uh, who doesn't speak any English has started working for the sorority and, um, you know, he doesn't understand anything they're saying. They don't understand anything he's saying. And, uh, you know, people kind of just start disappearing one by one. And uh, he keeps cooking up these mysterious meals with this mystery meat. And I'm sure you could see where that is going. And that is the movie. It's kind of like a slasher film with cannibal stuff mixed into it. And I liked it. I thought it was kind of a fun movie. Like I said, it feels very low budget. Um, some of the dialogue's a little ridiculous and cheesy, um, but it, it's definitely like a horror comedy. It, it's got a lot of funny moments where the cook says something like straight up, like, I'm going to murder you and your friends and eat you. And, uh, you know, the one girl will reply with like, oh, you're so sweet, because she has no idea what he's saying. Uh, I think he's like German or something like that. But uh, the cannibalistic stuff I thought was actually pretty gross it grossed me out that's one thing that really disgusts me in movies and makes me to the point of near vomiting uh not a lot really bothers me with horror movies anymore but cannibalism 
is one of the things that will always gross me out and make it very hard for me to eat meat for a few days. So this one is effective with that. So after that, I watched American Psycho from the year 2000, I think. Did I watch this this year? No, that was last year I watched it. So no, I haven't discussed it on the show yet. But American Psycho, I've watched this multiple times before. And uh, this is, what can I say about it? It's a great movie. I mean, Christian Bale, he's fantastic. And it's uh, every moment of this movie just keeps you so captivated with the way the dialogue is handled and just the even the internal dialogue of Christian Bale you know Patrick Bateman's character it's uh, very intriguing it has a lot of just um, underlying stuff going on and um, it's one it's very rewatchable for me it's become one of my favorite movies to rewatch at this point uh, it's just very very intriguing film I, I really enjoy it then after that, um, I watched a double feature, of course, with you at the drive-in, which was The Car and Christine. I wrote them backwards. It was more like the Christine and The Car. Uh, and, you know, Christine, fantastic film. Uh, I actually did watch Christine at the start of the year for Exploding Heads. Um, forgot that I was think I watched it, like, late last year. It might, it might have been this year. Hello? Yeah, I thought, I was thinking, I, what? I'm here. Oh, well, you, you like, paused. You weren't saying anything either. No, I said, I, I think I watched it late last year or early this year. I can't remember. Yes. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I watched it. I think that was in February that I did Exploding Heads, which seems like so long ago. But, uh, you know, I don't mind rewatching it because I think Christine is a great movie and I think it's a little bit underrated, uh, especially for, you know, John Carpenter's films. Um, I really like it. The car, um, I think it has its moments, but I think it's, for me, it's a little boring at times, honestly. Um, but when it does have its moments, it has really good moments that are laughable and also enjoyable at the same time with the car. So, uh, there's that. Um, after that, I watched a movie called Shiver. I believe this was a Spanish film. Uh, again, this is just another one I had in my to-watch pile. I think Brandon, this is one of the ones he sent me, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, this is a pretty good movie. Um, pretty much about a kid who is has that rare condition where you're basically allergic to the sunlight. So him and his mom moved to a new town that's uh, mainly cloudy all the time and uh, makes it easier for him to adapt. But... Uh, strange things start happening in the town and uh you know stranger things no just strange things and um he is kind of becomes like a suspect and they're you know trying to figure out what's going on it has some really creepy moments uh good atmosphere um creepy disturbing dream sequences in it throughout uh i enjoyed it it was pretty good uh very just moody film and then finally i went ahead and watched popcorn as per my run through 91 and um popcorn this is one that i had only seen once before at the drive-in actually last year uh which we of course met jill sholin the main girl in it and she was super nice um this is a pretty interesting fun kind of unique feeling movie uh set in a movie theater of course which is one of my favorite settings for a horror film uh just as a unique plot and uh once again a pretty cool atmosphere it's got like that just kind of a cool color palettes and um just have a, a very unique feel to it that i find enjoyable um i feel like i'm not as high on the movie as other people are but i i do like it for what it is so 
that is popcorn and that is all my movies and that is it good night everybody i like how you normally we talk about the movies we saw together at the end together but you just rushed through them didn't even let me get to say a word you can still talk about them on your turn and i can add add to it i am sorry all right so uh first up for me not a whole lot this week um dude i was looking at my letterbox remember that week that i watched like 22 movies in a week yes you didn't do that again did you no but i was looking there was a week like i've been like slacking i was hitting like 12 13 14 movies a week and lately i've hit like eight seven six and then Mm -hmm. there was one week like a couple weeks ago where i watched two dang yeah pretty crazy yeah it's nuts um so okay uh, first up here, part of the Teapot's Summer Series 08 prep, we had Pontypool. Um, this was a film that we watched in October of 20, probably two years ago. So 18, maybe 2018, I, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that, that, uh, we watched it. It was my pick for our Halloween marathon. Uh, and I think we we were kind of lukewarm on it. I think everybody kind of liked it, but it re- it really wasn't a movie that played well in a group setting. Mm-hmm. Um, but re- rewatching it, I got into it a lot more this time because it's more it's a movie. It's oddly enough like super not for a group because the primary aspect of the film that's like effective is stuff you don't see. It's like audio, so like you're hearing what's happening on the outside world and it's supposed to be like scary. So that doesn't really translate in a group watch very well. So this time I I was watching it. I liked it a little bit more. Um, I think I give it a seven and a half out of 10. Pretty decent. I love the, uh, setting, um, the winter setting, the cold Canadian, like, um, stuck inside a radio studio, um, during some bad stuff kind of contained setting i like that um speaking of puppet master blade the iron cross the first spin-off film in the puppet master series if you don't count puppet master versus demonic toys because puppet master versus demonic toys is technically not a canon puppet master film according to charles band because it was a made-for-sci-fi movie that Charles Band just licensed off, but I still count it. Uh, so this would be the uh, 14th Puppet Master movie, um, if you in total, but the 12th in canon. Because don't forget, there was also the Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich from last year or two years ago, I think, 2018. Um, so Blade the Iron Cross uh, takes place after Puppet Master Axis Termination, um, which was horrible. Um, and this one's a little bit better. Uh, I think the biggest problem with this one is it's sort of misguided in its storytelling. It's not really that much about Blade. You could essentially make, you can essentially put all the puppets in the movie and it would be the exact same movie. Uh, so to me, it almost feels like cheapened that they only use one puppet when the story doesn't necessarily require or, uh, succeed on them using one puppet. So it felt a little cheap in that way. Uh, however, Blade does do a lot of good killings at the end, which was pretty cool. You know, some decent kills at the end, but overall I felt like it was 
it missed the mark entirely for a um, spinoff. But I do think that it was better than the last two Puppet Masters. I gave it a 5 out of 10. Um, and then I, I did watch a couple of movies for that coincide with my blind spot. I'll save that for the end. Um, so then I watched Let the Right One In as part of the Teapot Summer Series. Um, I think this movie is a pure masterpiece. Uh, it, I think when we did our list for exploding heads over there on movies full of the decade, of, or what was it, the last... Was it the decade? Uh, the what? I'm confused. What was the thing we did for Exploding Heads, the list? Oh, uh, yeah, that was the top 100 of the entire decade. Oh, so th- for some reason I thought this was part of that decade, but I guess not. Wait. Unless it counts? No. I mean, Let Me In counted... I think. No, I think that I was just thinking that this was part of that. Because the reason I think that is because this movie was became available in 2010 for us. Uh, um, but it was tech. Like, it might have been available. But like, I remember, like, it came out on DVD in the US in 2010 because that's when I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, or on Netflix or something. But and, So I always think it's, like, part of that decade. But yeah. Um, anyway, it, this is one of my favorite movies of the. 2000s um i would probably put it like number you know in the top five for sure uh i think that it's masterfully done it's such a beautiful movie the cinematography is great the music is great the plot is so awesomely handled the romantic aspect is great the character development the characters are great the the violence is great the mythology of the vampire is great one of my favorite scenes is when Ellie, um, uh, Oscar tells Ellie to just come inside without inviting her in, and then her every like orifice starts bleeding. And you're like, Oh, I always wondered what would happen if a vampire entered a house that they were not invited to. Yes, it's gross. Yeah, um, 10 out of 10, obviously. Cool. Uh, then I watched Martyrs for the Teapot's t- Summer Series 2008. Um, the thing that I realized when watching Martyrs this time that kind of shocked me was I forgot, like in my head, I always thought, okay, like I love the opening, the violence with the shotgun, just like, it almost feels like a, a shooter, like a mass shooter type, like rawness to it. Um, I love that opening scene. And then also, uh, the, I always think of the end and how brutal, like the being skinned alive thing is, but the thing that always kind of slips my mind or, well, this, I think this is only the second time I've seen this. So, um, the thing that slipped my mind was just how awful the point leading up to that is like when the girl's being beat every day and fed gruel. Yes. That is horrible. Like it actually, I forgot how brutal it was. Like in my head, I was, I always pictured it like, Oh yeah, they capture her, they beat her up a little bit, and then they skin her. But I forgot that the beating goes on forever. Yes, I don't like what well, I don't like this move. Really? I don't want to ever watch it again. Really? Yes. Sounds like a blind spot. I've seen it before. 
I'm gonna give it to you anyway. No, you're not. You can't. Why? You already. We already did our list. I'll come up with something next time, next 26 weeks, that will somehow incorporate you to watch it. No, you won't. Okay, but let's let's move along. <laughs> Please shut up, Jeremy. Okay, Jeremy. Dude, come on. Do something that Jeremy does. Be like, didn't we already talk about that? Jesus Christ. We've talked about that already. Yeah, hold on. I posted it in the group earlier, bro. <laughs> it's not my fault you don't read my posts. What else? Oh, ratings? Oh, wait, you don't hear him say ratings because you guys are never paying attention to him. He literally says ratings and you guys all just talk over him. I don't even know if you guys hear him. No, we hear it. I I hear like everything he says. I just tend to not listen sometimes. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, Martyrs, uh, 10 out of 10 on that one as well. And then we have Eden Lake uh, from the Teapots Summer Series uh, 2008. Probably like my, like, I'm not going to lie. This is one of my favorite films too from that decade, that year. Uh, Just so good it is what like what i i thought that this was more hard to watch than martyrs honestly i don't remember i remember thinking this was a really good movie but i don't really remember it like at all at this point just like one of the first movies you ever told me to watch yeah it's brutal man it's just it's just really brutal and one of the things about it that i've always kind of talked about when talking about this film is when you have a movie about like killer kids kind of there i always feel like it's so easy to just be like man i would destroy those kids like go ahead and try to do something to me dude i'll knock every one of those kids out and like for the most part like i believe that like i even in movies i'm like why doesn't this guy just whoop these kids ass you know but in this movie, they handle it so delicately where you never really feel like they have an opportunity to gain the upper hand. Yes. Very Again, good performance. I, I don't remember. I just remember it being about killer kids and that's it. Yeah. And saying killer kids, I almost don't even like to do it for the people that haven't seen it because I feel like it cheapens it and you think of one, you think of a certain type of movie and it's like not that. Mm. Uh, then I went to the Riverside Drive-In, uh, apparently by myself since... I'm reviewing them by myself. Dude, shut up. Look at the, <laughs> I'm sorry. And I watched Christine and the car. A nice we car watched. double feature. Yes. Uh, Christine, uh, growing up, I always avoided Christine because I thought I had seen Maximum Overdrive and I wasn't impressed. Was not impressed with Maximum Overdrive. And I just figured like, hey, it's a Stephen King film. It's about a killer car. Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King film about killer vehicles. It's probably more the same. Uh, but I shouldn't have been so stuck on those beliefs because, of course, it is Carpenter film, and Carpenter always elevates the stuff he does. Uh, and I, I honestly think that if somebody else would have done Christine, it wouldn't have been as good because the plot isn't necessarily like that great. Mm. Um, you know, kid buys a car and it's like evil. Uh, but the key to Christine, I'm sure it's fleshed out in the book, is not the killer car. It's Arnie's transformation based on his obsession and sort of wanting to redefine himself. And 
that's what's really cool about it. Great performance by the guy that plays Arnie. Does a really good job. Yes, I have always enjoyed this movie quite a bit. And I agree, because this movie to me feels Carpenter-esque. And I think if someone else did it, it probably would have came off as cheesy, almost more in the vein of how the car is, in a way. Right, and I think that... uh like i i said this in my little facebook review but i think that one of the reasons that i finally gave it a shot was because i watched it on amc fear fest and amc fear fest to me was such a big like important thing in my horror fandom like when i was a teenager because like like, now it's just so easy with, like, Netflix and everything. But, like, back then, you waited for October, so there was a lot of horror movies on. Mm-hmm. And Fear Fest really was a lot of fun. And I always... The, I, the one thing that always... Um, basically... Uh, lump in with the Fear Fest is Stephen King movies. For some reason... And Halloween in general. October in general. For some reason, Stephen King films always just seem to fit the October theme to me. Yeah, I remember Pet Cemetery was a big one that always replayed on there. And Pet Cemetery 2. Yeah, yeah. Which actually takes place partially on Halloween, so that's bonus points. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, Christine, I really like it. Uh, it's much better than any killer car movie should be. Uh, based on what you're working with, typically what you would think. Um, but yeah, the music's great. I love the look of the film. The, sh- the cinematography's great. I gave it 8.5 out of 10. Uh, and then the car, I actually think I like the car a little bit more than you. The fun thing for me about the car is like just how like loud and in your face the car is and how evil it is. It's just like an evil car. And I like the desert setting. And then my favorite scene is when the woman gets carred to death, like through her house. And it's just like, it's like you see it in the background outside the window, the lights coming closer and she just gets demolished. I love that scene. Yeah. That car is grumpy. The the worst part of the car is there is some downtime. Yeah. Like that's my thing with it. But like I said, when it does have its moments, it has its moments and I think they're enjoyable. But to me, I feel like it could have been cut down a little bit. Right. Uh, Then uh, last up, before I get to my blind spot, we have Jarhead 2005. I watched this last night. Um, One of my favorite movies ever is Full Metal Jacket. And Full Metal Jacket is a film that just is insanely quotable to me. Like, I love everything about it. I've seen it probably more than any movie I've ever seen. And... I remember in 2005 Jarhead was coming out and I remember people saying that it was like Full Metal Jacket so I rented it I think on VHS honestly and I popped it in and at the beginning it's it's like the drill instructors and they're yelling at dude and you know it's it it does feel like Full Metal Jacket there's even some like quirk like quirky not quirky um witty little lines that like were said in Full Metal Jacket that I'm sure were said in a million you know, uh, basic trainings and stuff like that, you know, like the little sayings that they have and stuff. Um, even some of that's recycled in here. And then like 10 minutes in, it's like not that at all. It's a different movie. 
um and i just did, wasn't into it i thought it was boring it was just a bunch of dudes in the desert like talking pretty much the whole movie um but in the back of my head i always thought like maybe i should rewatch that one day because i do really like war movies and prim- like that's a pretty cool one where it like takes place with a lot of like um like psychological aspects of it i guess and I, I, I always wanted to revisit it and I revisited it finally. And I thought that I like one thing that it made me do was realize like, man, I was a complete dumbass and like, didn't understand anything about movies. I just wanted shooting. So watching it, I completely understood the movie. It's not about like what the other ones are. It's this one's set in desert storm. And what this film is at its core is it's a response to war films. So all the characters grew up and they even do it in the movie where they're watching the deer hunter and and apocalypse now and stuff. And they all have seen these war films and they've all heard about people who fought in Vietnam and world war two and the Korean war. And these people are joining the military uh, the Marines specifically to uh, sort of, you know, do, you know, they're, they're, it's in response to the stuff they've seen about war. Um, because in Vietnam, there really wasn't a pop culture about war, you know, it was nasty and dirty, but now it's like been glamorized almost with these films. So these guys go into that and they're marines so they're literally stripped away that's like kind of what jarhead means not only does it reflect they talk about this in the film it jarhead it represents you know what they're because of the haircuts in the military the high and tights you know looks like a jar and then the fact that there's nothing in a jar it's an empty hollow space so they are jarheads and they are stripped away from all of what makes them individuals and basically taught to do nothing but kill to be a weapon and not a human. And that is what the movie's about. It's about they're stripped away and taught only to kill. And then they get to a place where they're about to do that because there's no fighting in the movie. There's no like war really. Um, because one desert storm was a very short war. And and that's not to say that there wasn't fighting and some people weren't involved, but these people weren't. And they are, have a bloodlust for murder to kill yet. They never get to act it out because before they know it, the war is open over before they ever have a chance to fire. In, in fact, you know, minor spoiler alert here at the very end of the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, when they find out they're going home, he's like, I never even got to fire my gun. And it's a very interesting movie. I really liked it. Uh, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Cool. <laughs> you sound mad. I am. Why? Guys, I feel like this is like the most you've ever talked on a podcast ever. No, but in Ever. Jarhead, the no, one, one of the no, no, just real quick. One of the cool things is is the visuals. It's re- very like cool looking movie set in the desert, Saudi Arabia. Um, okay, so my blind spot this week, you gave me the room, which I skipped. 
No, you didn't. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I watched The Room and then I followed it up with a disaster artist. So first of all, The Room. Again, we ruined this because we talked a bunch about it. Yep. You are right. We got to stop doing that. Uh, yeah, I know. You do. <laughs> you do? You did. You talked a lot too. You said, I didn't hit her. I did not. Yeah, well, you got me. Once you get me started, I mean, you can't stop. What does Tommy Wiseau say? He's like, he's all like, um, what is it? I'm trying to think of Hi, something. Hi, doggy. <laughs> he's like, oh, yes. Can I get a dozen red roses, please? Hi, doggy. Thanks. And then he's like, he's like, Hi, babe. I have something for you. Right. Like, just, so just a um, little something. And he's like, just, just open it. Shut I know, up. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. Um, the room is known as like the best worst movie, um, or at least the worst movie ever made. Uh, it's not for one, that's for sure. But I understand why it's considered that. And and. I've seen a ton of movies that are so bad they're good, and typically I don't really like them, uh, minus Troll 2, which I do really like, but this one is very likable. It is just a bizarre situation. Like, the guy who made this movie, it not only is what's interesting about the movie, like, the movie itself, but all the backstory. That's so fascinating, you know what I mean? That this guy who looks like he's like 50 and but no but like doesn't nobody knows how old he is nobody knows where he's from he has a thick accent he made a multi-million dollar film nobody knows how he did that because he did it out of pocket <laughs> um he's such a mysterious guy yes I feel like I just talked like Tommy so unintentionally. He's such a mysterious guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so the room itself, uh, dude, it's, it is, it is very entertaining. Like I was watching it at work and I'm not going to lie. Like I don't really laugh out loud when I'm by myself that much, yes. but like there were scenes in this movie where I just started like, <laughs> like, like laughing. I'm like, what the and I was like this is crazy and like just 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 how unnatural the dialogue feels yeah it's it that's is what that's what that's what it really does for me like that that's that's what the key is is like even even like what's the kid's name Danny Danny like oh my god he's like <laughs> You know, I know Tommy, I know Tom, you know, Tommy considers you a son, you know, Danny considers you a father. I'm like, who is this kid? (laughs) Why would he consider Tommy of all people in the world as a father figure? (laughs) Right. And then like, um, oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Every scene it's like, oh, hi, whoever. And, And I love how like they they keep like they keep saying like you want to play some football and then they like toss the ball around like four times in the movie and it's like they they, but they call it play football but like nobody in their right mind ever has said like when they're just gonna play you know catch or pass nobody's ever said let's play football and, and considered that football so it's just like really funny it's just like a 
foreigner's interpretation of American football, like of, yeah. of what kids do when they're passing a ball outside that they're playing football, you know, so that it's cracks me up. And, and, um, of course the awesome roof scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, which one? The, the, I didn't hit her. Yes. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> and then he's all like, I knew this, I knew this girl. She, she did a bunch of men and then got like, a, like brutally attacked by some guy on Guerrero street. And he's like, what a story, Mark. He's like, <laughs> what the story, Mark? <laughs> um, and yeah, so uh, it, it's it's not a good movie, you know. I give it like a three and a half or something, maybe a maybe a four, but it's not the worst movie ever. It's not like a point five, but in entertainment value, it's brilliant. It really is a funny movie to watch unintentionally. Uh, and then uh, I watched The Disaster Artist, which I absolutely loved. Franco was amazing as Tommy Wiseau, like really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like them sort of showing the process of Tommy Wiseau was hilarious. And how, you know, like I actually felt bad for him a lot of times in the film. But at the same time, I thought he was a, a dick sometimes. Mm-hmm. but if you've never seen the disaster artist it's basically like a mockumentary like biopic thing where they it's not really a mockumentary that would be a different thing it's like a biopic of of making that movie uh of like the behind the scenes like making the movie but it's like reenacted and uh it's priceless it's it's so good it really puts in perspective like everything that people have said about the room and how how just weird and crazy Tommy Wiseau is. Yeah, like I I saw that movie when it came to theater with my friend Mallory because we were big uh, room fanatics before that, so we were super hype. And uh, I don't remember it a whole lot, like in detail, but I remember it being very very good. And it's funny, and then it's also dramatic at times, and uh, it's just a good good film. And Jan- I mean Franco is like he nails that role. And they recreate those scenes, so it, even like the end credits, I think, don't they like compare yeah, they put the them scenes? Side by sides. Yeah, it's so weird. Like it's completely like frame by frame, exact shots. It's so good. Right. But yes, the room is great. Yeah, man, I don't have any pens near me. What the hell? What do you need a pen for? To write down my rating for whenever we tally up who gave the best moves. Wait, what? No. Dude, you could do that later, for one thing. I might and not remember my rating of 3.5. Dude, the ratings are don't have to do with what movie was the best. Yes, buddy, they do. I believe you gave this movie a 9 out of 10 on enjoyment <laughs> level. <laughs> And I think you should go by that, because isn't that what really matters? No. <laughs> oh, I found a pen. Alright, 3.5. You do not have to click the pen for dramatic effect. <laughs> where, where is it? What? What's it called? The Room. Yeah, The Room. Not right. to be confused with The Room that came out this year. And the pen doesn't work. Oh. 
I will remind you of your rating of 3.5. No, you'll tell me I rated it a 9. Dude, it's on, you put it on Facebook anyway. Alright, my pen started working. Alright, it's your blind spot. I'm gonna go ahead and hit the randomizer, or do you want to? Um, you can do it, because I don't have it pulled up. Alright, so, let's see. How many have you done? Two. Yes. So, 14, 12 left. Yes. Alright, you have hard ball. Number three. What the heck is that? It's Keanu Reeves, man. Why does every movie have Keanu Reeves? <laughs> is this the one about the... This, I don't know. It's one of stupid people. What is this? <laughs> it's hardball, dude. It's about a, a gambler who's in debt. It's like probably like Uncut Gems. Ugh. All right. And he decides to coach an inner city baseball team. Oh, It's a sports thinking... movie, buddy. Oh. <laughs> sports. I was thinking of that comedy. What's that comedy? Balls of Glory or something like that. No, Balls of I would never make you watch that. Good, that's what I was scared of. But this is not a comedy, and that makes me kind of sad because I like funny movies. No, it, it's funny. I doubt it. It's funny. Dude, this, I think this is. I think you're rigging this. What do you mean? Because it's just weird how Hardball, Days and Confused, and Speed were like all three, four, and five on the list. That is weird. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I think it is rigged. Well, mine was 9 and 12. That's not weird. <laughs> it's multiples of 3. No, that's... They're not right... Whatever, dude. I'm gonna watch Hardball. Alright, hard dicks. Alright. Alright. Alright, let's get into our featured review, which is of... Hip Hop Anonymous. Yes, Hip Apodidicks. Hip Apodimus. I actually struggled to say that word because of Big Daddy. No, because when I was saying hip, hip-hop, hip-hop anonymous, you didn't know what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, I was joking. Like, I figured the movie was called Hippopotamus, but I'm saying, like, the word hippopotamus. I actually want to say hip-hop anonymous. hop anonymous Yes. Honestly, like, he did give him the easy ones. Hippopotamus is a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Fish. <laughs> What's he? I forget what he's. He's giving the little kid like four syllable words. But um, okay. Anyway, so hip hop, hip hip hippopotamus, twenty twenty eighteen. I shall read the synopsis. All right. Ruby is trapped in a basement, her legs don't work, and she can't remember who she is or how she got there. Her kidnapper gives her painkillers and tells her she will remain captive until she falls in love with him. Now, the first thing that I know... Well, first of all, did this guy do anything else? Um... Um... uh, It does... Not really... Is this no. in Australia? What, what, what country is this from? This is from... Quit asking me hard questions. Well, first of all, he directed... He literally... This is like his debut. Directorial debut. Because he did like a short before this. And it looks like this was once a short before this as well. And then he made it into a featured thing. Um, This is a movie from... Is it Australian? is a movie from 
the UK. Oh, okay. Yes. So, it is a UK movie, and it runs only an hour and 17 minutes long. Um, IMDb classifies it as a drama thriller, uh, which, honestly, I would think, I would say... For the most part, that is kind of what it turns out to be. Uh, you know, the synopsis makes it sound like a super horrifying type of movie, but um, I find that it does kind of have that drama thriller aspect to it more so. But it is starring Ingvild Della. I think the short is unrelated to this or has a different director. Oh, really? I think. It says he directed it. Oh, that okay. There's another short from 2018 called Hippopotamus too. Yeah, there's literally a few hippopotamus films that exist. Right. So okay, um, Hippopotamus, kind of an unknown movie. Uh, it dropped on iTunes last week. Uh, that's the only place to rent it. It's 9.99. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was looking at new movies that came out, and this one's plot actually interested me that's the only reason that I picked it is just Mm because I thought that the plot sounded interesting um didn't really know anything else about it it did have some good festival reviews uh it technically came out in 2018 in the UK I think um but it's just debuted here in 2020 on iTunes yes and the first thing that I noticed while watching it is I was like this is gonna be hard to talk about Yes, which is because, a big... Good. I was going to say, that seems like a big theme with a lot of these movies this year. <laughs> that they are hard to really talk about without like getting too much into the story. Yeah, because it's basically a movie about a woman trapped in a room and you're learning her history. And the more you learn, the more spoilers it would be if you talk about it. Mm-hmm. However... I completely predicted where this movie was going to go. I don't know if you did or not. Uh, not, not really. I mean, like halfway through, I was like, okay, this is probably, there's probably some sort of like connection here, but I didn't think it was going to like lead up to what it leads up to, I guess. Hmm. So I'm just smarter. I don't think, I think you're also lying. <laughs> you're actually you are actually you lying think right i now. lie when i yeah, say dude, stuff? you're making wait a minute you're like asking me questions throughout this entire movie just to reaffirm that i was correct you, no and you're gonna pretend that you like actually knew anything that was going on i did damn it how can, you, how can you protect predict a film that you don't understand what's going on that's like I me did, saying no, I knew, I, that's, that's like me saying that i knew what was the, gonna happen at the end of we are the flesh no, dude, I knew what was going... I, like, knew the main twist. Not twist, but I knew the main, like, thing. Like, the the connection. Uh, alright. No, you did you asked? Okay. I asked just to reaffirm. Alright, alright. They're brother and sister, damn it. No. They're For cousin me? and uncle. No, ew, no. No, I knew that I knew that they were gonna have nothing to do with each other the whole time. No. Listen, just no. Stop. Just stop. Stop. 
but what okay so what did you what, what are your overall thoughts on this film would you I say? thought it was pretty mediocre really yeah i it was like i like movies like this where it's like have you ever seen pet no that movie's really good um but it's about a girl that this guy holds captive um much better than this uh but i like movies like this i just thought that it was boring yeah that's why like i thought it was good and that's why i gave you a good and it was up to you to determine how good it was because i was invested in it and i was interested to see how it all would unravel with you know because you do synopsis says it all you have this ruby girl she wakes up and her legs are broken and she's in a very plain boring room and then there's a kidnapper and you don't know really what his main intentions are at first and then stuff kind of starts to he says i'm gonna hold you here until you fall in love with me okay but you don't know if he's like dangerous or if he's gonna be kind-hearted or if he's gonna like be abusive you don't really know at first and then it just starts to kind of unfold so that's all you can really say on the movie because like you said as it unfolds that's when you're getting more and more details and you don't want to get into that because you kind of have to watch it for yourself i found that the movie the big thing for me was since there's not really a lot going on not a lot to look at which you can say i mean movies like the platform are kind of like that too but this movie is just like a plain room and you just have like this one girl character and it's like boring to look at yeah but like you look at a movie like saw which is one room but it's like uh, cool to look at yeah and there's like it just feels like there's a lot more going on in those types of movies but in this movie it's it's even kind of repetitive like literally repetitive with certain aspects and it's only an hour and 17 minutes but for me this movie felt very long like yeah, i kept it, it drug a little bit even for, honestly it would probably work as a short yeah yeah i mean <laughs> i um, would like to see what the short was but i mean it's but like yeah i i was probably halfway through it and i checked the time and i was shocked that i was only halfway through it because it felt like it should have been almost to the end at that point for me i think the thing that i was annoyed about the most or like the thing that took me out of it a little bit i just felt like it was a little bit unbelievable oh it was and then especially i don't know when stuff really really unravels at the end i'm kind of like really i mean i I was hoping for i I was hoping for like a cool interesting reveal and especially no i i just got convolutedness is what i feel right like ridiculous over the top like what what right (laughs) yeah honestly i thought the movie itself was like passable Mm -hmm. um until like the end and all the reveals and everything and then i was like you know what this is this has actually lowered it by a point for me yeah that's kind of where i'm at um this is another one that's like an issue i've been having this year is like the movie starts out very promising and then i feel like movies just don't know how to end or they don't know they try to be very clever but there's just too many gaps in them to be clever and they're not capturing it and that's what i get with this movie i do like the characters like i do like the girl the main girl i think she's sweet and i i kind of like the guy too because he's like got this charm but you're like is this guy crazy or dangerous or does he mean well what's going on so i do like them enough to where i was invested but 
it just kind of falls apart at the end to where I'm left with what? <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, you know what? Totally what? forgot letterbox, but I have a feeling there's not much on there. Probably not. I didn't even. So let me take a look real quick. I don't even know if I I documented this on Letterbox, and I don't even know if I documented the right hippopotamus movie. All right. First of all, the number one question is how do you spell hippopotamus? H I P P O P. I think I got it. Okay. Twenty eighteen. Which wh- who directed this? Edward Palmer. Right, yeah, it's listed as freaking 2017 on there. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, then, yeah, I put the wrong one on my letterbox because I was confused. Actually, there are a few reviews on here. So, all right, let's go with a negative one. All right, two stars. Ooh. I can appreciate... A low-budget film with the best of them, but sometimes dreadful dubbing and bad writing. I didn't notice any dubbing. And head-scratching twist is just a bridge too far. So you mean dubbing, like, the Lipston matchup with... Uh... Well, it would have been the actors weren't speaking their native language, maybe? I don't know. Maybe he watched a different version of the film. Okay. Right. Yeah, I didn't really notice that. And for positive review, nine out of ten. Oh, that 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 other dude gave it a a two out of ten. Mm. And he said, or sorry, two out of four, mm-hmm. or sorry, two out of freaking five. Mm-hmm. And his favorite films were "Call Me by My Name," "By Your Call Me by Your Name," "Arrival," and "Gone Girl." Um. And then the other dude, his review, the uh, four and a half star out of five, he says, I surprisingly really like this. First of all, it really isn't what you expect. Maybe I'm dumb for thinking that, but the ending had me shook. Considering I only went in to see it to know why it was called hippopotamus which they do explain in the film i reckon this is one of the my favorite low budget british horrors also we can we please talk about the saw parallels the way she was crawling on the floor brought back larry flashbacks i almost sobbed you're lame dude (laughs) so cringe um his favorite films are hamilton captain america the winter soldier Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star is Born. It's funny because there's like a review on IMDb that's also like, wow, I would love to discuss that ending with someone. And I'm just like, what? what? Like, why? Yeah, why? There's nothing shooketh about it. Right, it's not shooketh. Yes. All right. So I guess that's it for another His and Hers movie podcast. Wait, did we rate this no we did not i'm getting tired too actually yes all right uh ratings um i will go first i am gonna give it a flat out five out of ten yeah i'm a little bit higher on it i mean it was 
again, this is one where I was like higher even so than the rating I'm gonna give it now, and then even talking about it more brought me down, but I came in with a 6.5 out of 10. What did you give it initially, 7? Yeah. Because I did like, I was into it at the start, and then as it went on, as it went on even, I was into it, and then like, it, to me, the third act just kind of sucked. Right. All right, well, once again, your ratings are fake. No, they're not. I am real. Really fake. (laughs) Choke. On what? A dick. Dude, that's mean. Why? Because I don't want to. Okay. Well, guys, I guess we shall catch you on the flip. All right. I am JP. That is Swallows. And we will see you next time. Peace. Hey, mom, I'm on my own. Dude, you're so fake. Why? You don't even like that song. I, I do. Could you imagine that? Imagine that? Imagine that? I'm Googling something to make myself seem smart. But the thing is that you are not, in fact, smart. I am pretty intelligent. No. I just had to make sure. We shall record a pod. Hey, what, buddy? I don't want to sing. <laughs> Why not? We we always sing. I just feel that it's losing its effect. Oh, what do you mean? Watson like loves it. I know, but I feel like we are trying too hard. Are we though? I also don't feel that Watson would appreciate a new link. Watson is a distinguished gentleman. Oh yeah? Yeah, he appreciates everything. Including new blink? I mean I assume so. Alright, well, Watson's very cultured, Carly. I am not I want hand on Watson. Watson? Hey mom Scared to death and far from home. Can you imagine that? Imagine that? Imagine that? Imagine that? You know I'm bad at that. Bad at that. Bad at that. You left pieces of me along the side of the road. Right after you said you'd never leave me alone. Found myself on the dark side of the road. Remember to forget me. Nobody. I don't remember. That was a John. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I you know me. I know you. You know Ch- that I am not a big fan of New Blink. Chicken stew? You know what I'm saying. 
No, I mean, you technically are. No, no, no. I'm not a big fan of Matt Skiba in Blink, but on the album Nine, which I don't know if you knew this or not, because he's not really that big of a Blink fan, but it's because it's called that because it's their ninth studio album. I am a Blink fan, and I did know that. Yeah. So, Matt, I think that the reason I like it is because it's there's enough there that it sounds like Blink, but they found their sort of own sound for that album, which fits Matt Skiba, which I think that the other stuff that they did, especially like the old songs where he covers Tom's parts, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. Did you know that Mark Hoppus gave me Dap once? Gave you what? Dap. What are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking about? I don't know what that means. Dap? Yeah, I don't know what that means. Google it. Like, just tell me what it means. You don't know what it means. That's I do. It's like where you it. dap someone up, you know, you see them and you're like, hey, what's up, man? And you dap them, you know, handshakes, fist bumps. Okay. Fish by letting the fly bob lightly no, urban on dictionary. the water without uh, urban, letting no, the line no, touch that, the water. That's not it. An urban that dictionary. That is it. Urban. It's an <laughs> urban term. There's a, there's, on the side of the Google, there's... There's a thing that says giving dap, and it shows a handshake. Right. Yeah. Dap is a friendly gesture of greeting, agreement, or solidarity solidarity between two people that has become popular in Western cultures. What about Eastern cultures? Particularly since the 1970s, originating from African-American communities. Giving dap typically involves handshaking, pound-hugging, fist-pounding, or chest- or fist-bumping. Right. So me and Mark Hoppus did all that. I got dap ones from him too. No, you didn't. Yeah, you're talking about the concert? Yeah. Yeah, we all dapped him. He missed like 90% of the hands. I think he touched mine slightly. No, he definitely gave me dap. I remember it clear as day. I do too. Yeah. I looked at my hand and I was like, whoa. It looked different. He like put some like magic on it or something. I don't think that's what happened, but it was cool. Yeah, I got you into Blink. No, dude, I like Blink way before you. You know what's funny? I didn't like Blink. Really? Right, yeah. My friend Tyler, like, we were all into, like, hip-hop in, like, elementary school and stuff. Especially, you know, Eminem was out and and 8 Mile was out, and it was, like, big... And then, like, I stayed with hip-hop, and um, Tyler, his older brother, Troy, was, like, cool, you know, and had, like, parties and stuff all the time. And uh, we would go to them, and, like, they would give us, like, a couple beers and stuff like that, and we thought we were cool. And they, they, they all, all his older friend, all his brother's older friends liked me. I was a little bit older. I was, like, a year older than, than Tyler, but he, uh, excuse me, Dexter, he, um you know uh he was really big into like the pop punk type music of that generation and tyler got really into blink during that time and i just like couldn't stand it i was just like so stuck in my hip-hop ways um but then i i don't know i but what's funny is like early blank like the 90s blank like five years earlier shannon was really big at my cousin shannon was really big into blank 182 had posters and listened to him all the time and i liked it back then but i think i was just like 
I like hip hop and that's all I listened to back then. So it took me a while, but then I rediscovered my love for Blink. Yes. They are good. They have a lot of good songs and they have evolved quite a bit over time. What is your favorite Blink-182, John? Um, I like Adam's song. You copied that off of me, I think. No, I didn't. I liked that before I met you. In fact, I tried to learn it on bass. I did learn it on bass. Um, Adam's song was my favorite for the longest time, but it's like too depressing now to be my favorite. I like their depressing ones more than not depressing. Yeah. My favorite's probably all the small things. Really? No. <laughs> okay. It's like the um, most overplayed, overly hyped song in the world. Uh, feeling This is one of my favorites, but that was always Shannon's favorite, so I feel like I can't have the same favorite as her. But, like, Feeling This is, is one of my favorites. And then I would probably say, like, The Rock Show is another one of my favorites. I like Damn It. Which one's that? The one where they're like, it's alright, it's okay for you, something, tell me, you fucked her. Did you hear, he fucked her? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I like that one. Um, also, uh, stay together for the kids. Yeah, I like that one too. I tried to learn that on bass as well, because all their songs are very easy to learn on bass. <laughs> They're all like the same exact. I read Travis Barker's book and and he had a lot of stuff in there where Tom DeLonge would say like, basically be like, yeah, we're just like fake musicians, but Travis, he's a real musician. (laughs) Like we just, we just do everything as basic as hell. And Travis is like the mastermind. Like the heart, I felt like the most intricate song they had was Carousel with the dun 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 That would have been Scott Rayner back then. Yeah, on drums. I am talking about Well, they had a a much more, like, straight punk sound back then. Yeah, which I like. But I also like their pop punk stuff, too. Yeah. Favorite album? Um, I don't really know, because I don't, I don't, I'm bad with albums. I don't pay attention to, like, what songs on what album. For me, it's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was after Enema of the State, I think. Yeah, I have Enema of the State CD, but... That's usually, like, a lot of people's favorite. I actually don't... I feel like it's almost too mainstream, like, where I don't like it that much. Like, the songs on it are all good, but... I don't know. It's not my... I I wouldn't call that my favorite. All right, well, you ready to get into this, John? I guess. All right. <laughs> 